0: On today's episode of Nealon's Basement, we'll look back at week six, give some postseason predictions, and preview week seven. Welcome everybody into the Week 7 edition. I am your host. Week 7 edition of Nealon's Basement. My goodness, I can never get it right. I'm your host, Tucker Harlan, alongside Dominic Throngard Devin
1: Hoke. Guys, how are we feeling today? My blood is pumped full of Bama hatred and cigars are lying in my back pockets. I am ready for the third Saturday in October. Yes, this rivalry game
2: finally means something, and there's so many big games all across the country. This is going to be one of the best weekends of college football yet
0: without a doubt. So speaking of those Tennessee Volunteers, number 8 Tennessee goes down to Death Valley to take on number 25 LSU dominates the game. 40 to 13 was the final. And you know, they when the game starts off with LSU uh, just botching that kickoff return, you knew it was going to be a long day for LSU for sure. And Tennessee just just kept throwing the punches at them and they just could not
1: respond. LSU couldn't respond. It felt funny too how the vibe was a little bit similar to where uh, last season against Ole Miss, we dropped that first punt return had a disaster there. Mm -hmm. And then LSU goes and kind of does the same thing here, except for we actually jump on their necks and finish the game real early. That was just a really impressive display from Tennessee. Uh, Thoroughly impressed with our offense. Our defense honestly looked great too. Got some really key stops there that were able to give us the edge. We needed to keep pressing on offense because Honestly, at some points there, I was a little bit worried about the offense just not really finishing on good drives, but we turned it around and we dominated throughout. Yeah,
2: I, I like that a lot that uh I mean Tennessee's offense struggled at times in the red zone a lot of time settling for field goals instead of touchdowns when they were so deep in LSU territory, but LSU does have a good defense. They got a couple guys that are definitely going to be, you know, in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, uh, Ojalari, Ali Gay. I mean, those guys are serious monsters up front. Uh, so considering the circumstances, Tennessee being able to score consistently was so good, and what I loved most about this game is here you got the two coaches, Josh Heupel, In Death Valley, totally calm. It's like he's been there before. He's standing there on the sideline. No sweat from Josh Heupel. Then here's Brian Kelly, red in the face, on the sideline, nonstop, yelling at everybody, uh, throwing a temper tantrum. Everything. He's just
0: mad that USC is no longer his toughest competition. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh, exactly. So, or Marshall, no, or possibly uh, if he was still at Notre Dame. But, yeah, exactly. So, he, he really – if you look at the two coaches, you're probably thinking, okay, who would I rather play for, honestly? This guy who's wound up yelling at everybody, tell, cu- telling everybody that they're an idiot, or – Heupel, who seems totally calm in the face of going into a hostile environment, going up against a tough team, and just getting it done. To me, Heipel looks like the way more composed coach, and I just love to see that on TV.
0: Yeah, Devin, I think you bring up a great point about that because, you know, even at halftime in the interview, Brian Kelly was just like, we're getting out-coached. Well, part of being a coach is making adjustments, Mm -hmm. and clearly he did not do that. Uh, A lot of just failures on fourth down to convert for LSU – they could not get the run game going either. Mm-hmm. Just 55 yards on the ground against this Tennessee defense, which has surprised a lot of people this season. And really the secondary, too, mm-hmm. probably have one of its best games of the year. You know, a lot of those throws that Jaden Daniels made that were on target, well, it was because he made the perfect throw, not because there were guys playing 10 yards off the ball, mm-hmm. which is something we've seen Tennessee have problems with at times this season. And also, 13 points. That's the fewest amount of points that Josh Heupel has given up to an SEC foe.
2: Yeah, and and what's also incredible about this, too, I mean, you can make excuses for LSU's team with the beginning of the game with all the mistakes they had made, you know, that put their defense constantly in a rough spot. But as you said again, Tucker, yeah, what, what happened in the halftime adjustments? Why didn't LSU seem to have any fight to make a comeback? I mean, there was, like, nothing. They had lost in the first half. And there was just, like, limited effort in the second half. It just got worse for him.
1: Yeah, the air just was sucked right out of the stadium from the get-go. I don't think that LSU was ready to encounter such a tough Tennessee team, to be honest. I mean, I think SEC foes are just so used to Tennessee being bad that the fact we were so good took the LSU fans by surprise, to be honest, and took them out of the game real early.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, a a surprise to a lot of people because, you know, during the week, everybody was thinking, you know, this is going to be a close game. That line was sitting at, what, three and a half, two and a half most of the week, mm-hmm. and suddenly come, Tennessee comes out and beats them by 27. That's just free money if you're betting on Tennessee right there. So statement win for Tennessee for sure. Uh, staying in the SEC, number 23 Mississippi State had no problem with Arkansas. Won that game 40-17. to 17. Now keep in mind, there's no K.J. Jefferson here. Mm-hmm. So Arkansas is hurting a little bit in that aspect. Uh, Like we thought, uh, Will Rogers would uh, go on to have a great game through for 395 yards. Probably the bigger concern, though, for Arkansas is that Mississippi State had a 100-yard rusher in Dylan Johnson. And in the air raid system, that just does not happen. Uh, You know, we've been critical about Arkansas secondary all season. But now it seems like even the run defense is starting to crumble just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, with a game like this, KJ Jefferson is out. That's going to hurt a lot, and it's understandable that they didn't put up that many points. However, having a defensive game like this is pretty unacceptable if you're Arkansas. It's just really showing a lot of holes in that defense. And what originally at the start of the year, I feel like people thought this was a strong defensive unit. Even with the secondary problems, I feel like everyone was thinking this Arkansas team was, you know, the team that had the best shot to give Bama a run for its money in the West, but uh, you can't do it with a defense like this who gives up that many run yards to an offense that has been exclusively based on passing for many years.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and what's crazy from this game is, is Dom, you mentioned Arkansas at one point looking like Alabama's best challenger in the West— Now it looks like Mississippi State, of all the teams, looks like Alabama's biggest challenge in the West Division. Uh, They're coming out really strong here. Their only loss blew it to LSU, but still they're now going really into form and again with Mike Leach's air raid system this year he started to mix in a lot more runs uh, I saw it uh, even earlier in the season against Arizona they ran like the ball 10 out of their first 15 plays in that game and 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 Dylan Johnson has really been effective for him uh, so he's modified his system and now it's like he's uh, updating the air raid to be even more predictable than it's been in years past and it's really throwing these defenses off and and Arkansas yeah, their, their run defense, uh, pathetic to be that bad. When they've got so many good stars in that front seven, uh, really should, should not have had that bad of a performance. And yes, losing Jefferson is huge. If he was in, the game would have been much closer, but it still looks like Mississippi State would have come away with the victory.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what Mississippi State can do going forward because, obviously, they've started their front half of the season. They're, what, 5-1 and one now. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Mike Leach, he's just such a wild card. We've yep. mentioned it before. Uh, you know, they lost that game at LSU there where the Tigers went on that late run and ended up winning it by 15 or so. Mm. Uh, you know, they, they still got Ole Miss and Alabama to go through. Ole Miss is still unbeaten. Sure, mm-hmm. they haven't played many people, but yeah. they don't look bad either. Uh, so... Yeah, and they they got a tough test this week against Kentucky, so we'll see if they can keep it up. Uh will be very interesting to watch. So we had another almost upset of the year moment this week. Texas A and M just fell short at number one Alabama. Twenty four to twenty was the final in that game. There was a play at the goal line for the Aggies. They had a chance, but they didn't run the ball on the goal line. Both backup quarterbacks were starting in this game. Uh Haynes King for Texas A&M, Jalen Milrow for Alabama. Is there concern for Bama heading to Tennessee this week?
1: Undoubtedly. I mean, especially seeing when you see at Alabama and it's a scoreline like this against Texas a and a team that has looked pretty miserable at a lot of points in this year. Uh, it's it's a sign of concern for Bama without a doubt, especially because they're going to be coming into a Tennessee team with an extremely high-powered offense. And we're not going to be, we don't have some rookie quarterback. I mean, I know Haynes King isn't exactly a rookie, but he kind of plays like one a lot of the times. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but we have a guy who knows what he's doing, running our offense. I, I don't think Bama's ready for that if this is how they're going to play against a team that's barely stringing together plays. It, it does not look good for Bama. But Texas A&M did show up a bit for this game. Uh, just a bummer. They did not run the ball. I mean, Johnny Manziel was letting them have it on Twitter all night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's a guy who knows how to beat Bama, you know, at least, you know, once there. But, you know, one concern for Alabama here is is what's happened to all their elite wide receivers. They were producing some of the best wide receivers in the game for years. And now this recent group of guys has just been underwhelming. I mean, mean, even when Bryce Young was in and starting for him, he still had to pull out miracle drives over and over again against Texas. He had to do a lot of running on the ground himself. It seems like when Bryce Young is in, They really rely on him, and now Jameer Gibbs coming into form so heavily on that offense. That is really a major concern for Alabama because lately their offense with all those explosive receivers from Judy to Ruggs to Smith to Waddle, has just been so explosive. But without all those guys, uh, the receiving core just looks weak. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to
0: see Alabama reverting a little bit more to what they used to do with the running backs. Obviously, you had that great run of – you know, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy for that one year, Derrick Henry later oh, on. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they've they had that great run in the past. Jameer Gibbs is looking like, you know, he could be that guy for Alabama, but definitely a little bit of concern at receiver this year. Uh, and then the other thing, especially heading into this week, Bryce Young's status being unclear. Uh, that That's something that they're going to need to figure out soon because Jalen Milroe does not look like a guy that is going to finish the season strong for alabama uh if he were to continue playing yeah. for however many more weeks he does
2: but yeah Mil- yeah milrose sorry yeah, milrose yeah is a guy with a really high ceiling but his floor is also pretty yeah, low as well it's it's something to watch
0: for for sure so moving out of the sec now let's look at one big 10 matchup illinois Beat Iowa 9-6 to in Champaign. Yeah, that's a Big Ten matchup, all right. <laughs> yeah, 9-6, to that's 15 points for you. There were 14 punts in this game, one less punt than points. Why am I talking about this game? Well, it's because the Illini are ranked number 24. That's the first time they've been ranked since 2011. And they are one of the better teams in the Big Ten West. So do we think that they can maybe finish it out this year?
1: I I don't see any other team that has a chance as much as Illinois does right now. I mean, the Big Ten West right now just seems like a competition between who can who can do worse, <laughs> who, can, who can have the worst offense and the most punts in a game. Seems to be the real contest happening in the Big Ten West right now. So, I mean, maybe something weird happens in the second half of the season and they start eating each other alive again. But at the same time, even with that, I feel like Illinois has the best chance to win it just because I think there's a lot of teams that are gonna, you know, go pretty even in the Big Ten West, and I think they're gonna have the most wins by the end of it.
2: Yeah, it, it all depends heavily on Illinois' game this weekend. Uh, I believe they're playing uh, Minnesota, if, if I'm correct yeah. on that. And so, Illinois beats if Illinois beats Minnesota, then yeah, their chances are yeah. looking pretty darn strong because there isn't really many. Uh, I mean, we know Northwestern's terrible. Purdue's blown it a lot. Wisconsin, you know, they're, they're very far behind at the moment. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, Illinois wins this game against Minnesota, then they're pretty likely to end up going to the big 10 championship.
0: Yeah. If really the winner of either, if either team wins that game, they really control their own destiny Mm -hmm. because, you know, both of those teams have one loss right now, uh, haven't lost any other conference games, I don't think. Well, Minnesota lost to Purdue, so that would make it a little bit more difficult for them. But mm-hmm. Illinois, that loss being to Indiana, Indiana's Big Ten East, so maybe it gets a little easier for them. But this weekend is going to be a pivotal matchup for the Big Ten West, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> uh, but let's let's move away from the, uh, I, I guess, misery, the punter battles or whatever you want to <laughs> call it, in the Big Ten. Let's move to the ACC now. Uh, number fourteen NC State had a major comeback win over Florida State in Raleigh. Nineteen to seventeen was the final. They sealed it with a late interception as the Knolls were driving. And the, the sad part here is Florida State really should have kicked a field goal and just could have won this game that way. Um, but you know they led seventeen to three at half and they just completely blew it. How do they get back on track, especially with Clemson coming to town?
1: I feel like Florida state just kind of has to calm down a bit because the hype got to them a little bit too early and they just, they got a little bit ahead of themselves because they're a good team and they're starting to get back on track. And I do have faith in them in the long run. However, it's just not happening this season and they keep trying to get ahead of themselves and get to that point where they can say they're back, but they're kind of forgetting to finish out what's right in front of them instead of, you know, Just focusing on the matter at hand.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd say, you know, Dorvell is doing a good job with this team. Uh, I think the Florida State Athletic Department's going to give them a little bit more time. But again, yeah, they're definitely still a year or two away from really going for that ACC championship, though they've shown a lot of promise this season. Uh, You know, I I think also another unfortunate part of this game, I believe, uh, you know, Florida State's starting running back got injured uh, during this game uh you know he's been really good for them that that really hurt them put the game a lot more on uh, uh you know Travis's shoulders and he's got those great receivers but yeah that miscommunication at the end just threw it a little long intercepted uh yeah that's just really tough to see for Florida State and and now NC State I mean they they still got a chance to catch up with Clemson it's going to be a hard task but it's possible
0: yeah uh Clemson looks to really be controlling their own destiny right now in that division. Uh, Don't see a whole lot left in their way, especially now that they've gotten through Wake Forest Mm -hmm. and NC State. I mean, who knows? Maybe Syracuse is actually worth something, but they haven't Mm -hmm. played anybody yet. And honestly, I don't see South Carolina doing anything in Death Valley. So that's the ACC, the ACC headliner for this weekend. Uh, Let's move over to the Big 12 You know, this one just makes me a little sad. Yeah, Uh, number seventeen TCU survived. Number nineteen Kansas, thirty eight to thirty one in Lawrence. The magic has at least temporarily come to the to an end for the Jayhawks. Uh, They were able to hang around in this one, but they did lose Jalen Daniels, their quarterback, due to a a shoulder injury. Uh, You know, the media I think prematurely hyped this one as being a season ending injury. And then Daniels himself confirmed that it is not, in fact, a season-ending injury, which is <laughs> terrific news. Mm-hmm. But Jason Bean still did a pretty good job uh, trying to keep them in this one. The issue here was that uh, they, they didn't really have much of a defensive presence. Uh, Quentin Johnston of TCU had 14 catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that That's just not what you want to see right there as a defense. But, guys, what does the future look like for Kansas just going down the road?
1: Well, they're going to need some magic beans. (laughs) They have a magic bean. (laughs) Exactly. And I think they still can do pretty darn good. He looked pretty comfortable with that offense. So, I mean, it looks like a system that anyone can run pretty effectively if you're a competent quarterback. But Daniels, the loss, that hurts a lot. Um, Hopefully he's not out for too long, but I really do think this would have been a different game had he been able to stay in. And I think that Kansas would have been able to keep up with that offensive production. So, I don't know. I just think Kansas has to tough it out for a little bit without Daniels, and then they can continue to make something happen.
2: Well, I don't really think – I mean, it wasn't the quarterback that was the issue. I mean, being still at an incredible game, it was just this horrible defense outside of that one game against Iowa State uh, where the defense showed up that time uh, in that weird game. Other than that, Kansas's defense has been – Really, really terrible. And I know that they've been playing lots of great offensive teams. But it's still been really, really bad. Uh, But TCU, they are the real deal. I mean, yeah, Kansas's magic has gone away a little bit. But TCU is now undefeated. With a chance to jump into the top 10 coming up soon, I think the horn Frogs are legit. I mean, Quentin Johnston looks like the second coming of Calvin Johnson out there, and Max Duggan is looking like the second coming of Josh Allen. So this team is very serious.
1: Is it a return to the Andy
2: Dalton era for TCU? <laughs> it it might be. I mean, this team looks really, really good. Sonny Dykes in his first year has got this offense clicking, and the defense still needs some work, but it's getting there. It, it's starting to look really, really good.
0: Yeah, uh, the the Big 12 seems to be eating itself a lot right now. Um, you know, Kansas, going forward, I think what we're going to see with them is they've still got a lot of tough people to go through, like Oklahoma State, of course, is a team that's doing really well right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas State, another team that's doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they still got to go through teams like Texas Tech as well that, you know, they're, they're very hit or miss, but they could upset you on any given day like they did with Texas. Speaking of Texas, we had the Red River Rivalry this weekend, did we? It's not the Red River Rivalry <laughs> on this podcast this week. It's the Red River <laughs> Route.
2: Yes.
0: If you're an Oklahoma fan right now, th- who somehow found out about our show, just just cover your ears for about the next ten minutes. This is this is about to get ugly. Um. <laughs> so Texas won forty nine zero. That is their largest margin of victory in this matchup's 122-year history. Uh, This is Oklahoma's first game without an offensive touchdown since 2009. The Sooners have not been shut out since 1998 when they lost 29-0 to Texas A&M. Did you just say 1998? Yes, I did. (laughs) It's starting to
1: feel like it, isn't it?
0: This is the first time Oklahoma has been shut out in this matchup since 1965. In 108 years of playing in a conference, this is just one of seven times that Oklahoma has lost three or more games in conference play, and Brent Venables is the first Sooner coach to start conference play 0-3. What is going on at
1: Oklahoma right now? Um, I'm starting to think maybe Brent is a little bit better sooner gone rather than later. (laughs) Um, It's not looking good for Oklahoma. What I'm really hating to hear, though, is all the rumors uh, that are swirling around that Oklahoma Twitter talking about how Josh Heupel's going to come back to Oklahoma. No. That's not going to happen, and I really hope it does not happen. But, man, I don't know what Oklahoma needs to do to turn this around because that's just – it's its beyond embarrassing. In a rivalry like that where even even in the years where Texas has looked like they've had a shot over Oklahoma, Oklahoma's been pretty dominant recently in the Red River rivalry. So it's – it's really bad it's a horrible look for Oklahoma and they need I don't know they just need to do something I don't know what they need to do they just need to do it and now yeah we well we
2: now know the reason why they were having walk-ons earlier in the season what like a couple weeks ago and and we're all like what are they doing they're you know they're playing pretty good and that's like oh okay well now we see why um yeah no that's that was just really bad and So disappointing for me because the Red River rivalry, honestly, is one of my top five favorite rivalries every year. It's so, so, so good, whether it's multiple overtimes, constant back-and-forth games, the energy, the chaos from those games. No matter what the teams are ranked, it always seems like it's great, but this time... Ewers shows up and just absolutely dominates them. And once again, Quinn Ewers shows that he is the real deal or has the capability of being the real deal. And man, just imagine if Ewers did not get injured against Alabama. Where would Texas be right now if they were able to upset Bama there and then be undefeated? I mean, we could be talking about top five Texas now, but instead Ewers gets injured, rough times but now Texas is an interesting wild-card team in the Big 12 again.
0: Yeah, the uh, quarterback situation definitely played a pretty significant role in this one, uh, you know, with Dylan Gabriel being out for Oklahoma. They didn't know if he they, – they thought he might have a chance at going at it uh, before the game started, but obviously that didn't happen. And then, of course, Quinn Ewers uh, had been injured for a while but then progressed pretty quickly, and he's where he is right now, and Texas is just fine. So that I, – I, That aspect of it going in, it's not really surprising that Texas won. Uh, The fact that they won 49-0, though, is a whole different animal. Yeah, like Mm
1: -hmm. nobody
2: would have predicted that. Nobody.
1: And, I mean, it's just it's remarkable to see the turnaround that Texas has been able to pull off, to be honest. I mean, Texas has not looked like a team that can compete legitimately with any top 25 team for quite some time now. And for them to turn it around this fast... it's truly remarkable, and honestly, I'm really impressed with this Texas team, and I think that they could be, you know, playoff contenders for the next couple of years for sure. At least, I I have a lot of faith in this Texas yeah, team.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with especially especially with Arch Manning coming in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, if there's, th- they will continue to be as good of a program as what they've been in the past, or what we think that they will become. So that's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on here in the upcoming years. So last, the last part of our, uh, week six preview, uh, let's go out West here because we had a lot of pretty significant upsets out West, uh, this weekend. We'll start number 18 UCLA wins it over number 11, Utah, 42 to 32, uh, UCLA never trailed in this one. Uh, DTR and Zach Charbonnet were spectacular, once again for the Bruins, does the Pac-12 CFP race run through Los Angeles this year?
1: Without a doubt. I mean, it's really between UCLA and USC at this point, and I'd be really impressed if UCLA could secure a spot in the playoff because, to be honest, I'm even if UCLA beats USC, I am not sure that the playoff committee would give them a legitimate shot at being in the playoffs. I think that USC would just because of their brand name. However... Uh, UCLA is a big brand too, but it's not the same as USC where USC has been a traditional football school. UCLA has not exactly been as much. So I think that honestly, at this point right now, I'm saying UCLA definitely has the edge. DTR looks phenomenal. Just really fluid quarterback is able to get his stuff done. Offense is incredibly smooth and you know, Utah, Utah isn't a joke, but I do think they have been a bit overrated so far. And I do think UCLA definitely deserved this victory and they got a pretty good margin too. It's a really respectful victory. I think UCLA, I think UCLA wins the pack 12
2: Yeah, I I could really see it. Uh, You know, I mean, yeah, the playoff could run through Los Angeles. However, I mean, the rankers still have Oregon kind of up there in the mix. Of course, Oregon with the one loss to Georgia, you know, could hurt them down the line, but Oregon's still in the mix. Uh, I I agree. I I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson honestly has looked better than Caleb Williams. Uh, I really think that. Williams has gotten so much hype up. I think a lot of that – you know, obviously from last year with Oklahoma, but also with Lincoln Riley being his head coach is one of the main reasons. But really, Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been better. He's been leading this team well down the field. They've had incredible drives. Yeah, UCLA looks like uh, the real deal here. They're they're starting to really click, and even on defense, they're starting to finally play a lot better.
0: Yeah, I think that Chip Kelly magic that we saw at the beginning of the 2010s is starting to come back a little bit here at UCLA. So uh, that. It's, it's interesting to see them doing well now because they've struggled here and there for a couple of years, and you know they had that game against South Alabama. I think it was week three uh, where nobody was there, and they only won by like a point. But mm-hmm. now they've pulled off two consecutive upsets over uh, Washington and Utah, and they seem to be really on track now. So this team could be a team that goes out and wins the Pac-12 South. We'll see. Uh, speaking of the Pac-12 South and Washington, Arizona State. Pulls off an upset over number 21, Washington 45 to 38 was the final score on that one. Uh, Sun Devils running back Xavier Valade was a force on the ground and through the air for the Sun Devils. Uh, quarterback Trenton Burgett came in for, uh, came in to relieve, uh, Emory Jones, who I believe got injured in that game. Our old friend Emery Jones from down in Florida threw for 182 yards and three touchdowns.
1: Uh, do we think the Sun Devils are doing better now that Herm Edwards is gone? Absolutely. I feel like Edwards was just holding that program back to a significant degree. Uh, I just I feel like he just had an older, outdated style of coaching that wasn't really working or resonating with the Pac-12 style of football. And I think Arizona State has honestly been set free by that firing and has been able to, you know, look like a good team again because they they haven't necessarily done terrible in recruiting and it's shown. I mean, Arizona State can be a fun school to watch they usually have been in the past and i think they're i think they're coming back to that identity
2: yeah, I I think they're starting to come back a little bit. Yeah, Herm Edwards firing um, was definitely overdue, probably should have happened in, in the previous offseason. But, you know, but hey, better late than never. They got that off. You know, they're, they're heading in a good direction. I mean, the Huskies were looking so, so good. And even in this game, Washington continued to fight. Uh, but, yeah, still a big-time win for Arizona State here. Uh, you know, Panics uh, just didn't look quite the same as he's looked uh, in the last few weeks so we'll see if the huskies can turn it around but yeah that that really uh spoils their really good season here yeah looking at uh, arizona state's
0: schedule they they have some winnable games remaining uh they play stanford and colorado two of the yep, worst teams, teams. <laughs> two of the worst teams in uh all of the power five right now uh, of course ucla is going to be tough uh, Oregon State at home. Oregon State has not looked good on the road at all this season. Mm-hmm. And who knows about Arizona? I mean, they're they're rebuilding too, so there's definitely still some hope for Arizona State here, maybe to make a bowl game or something. Uh, yeah, it, it could be that they're trending back in the right direction. So, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. So, we have one more upset out west. It was not in the Pac-12, though. It was, in fact, in Sin City between Notre Dame and BYU. The Irish... Upset number sixteen BYU twenty eight to twenty in Las Vegas. Michael Mayer, the tight end for Notre Dame, had eleven catches, one hundred eighteen yards, and two touchdowns. Widely considered the best tight end of this upcoming draft class, Brock Powers has still got another year left before he can go to the draft, so that's why uh, the Irish led this game by as much as nineteen in the third. Of course, they're still not ranked, obviously, because, you know, when you lose to Marshall, uh, it makes your case pretty tough to get back in. Uh, Are things finally
1: settling down for Marcus Freeman? I'm inclined to believe so because this is honestly a pretty impressive win. Um, I always like to say this about BYU. They're they're typically always a more older experienced team just because of how Mormon mission trips work out and their eligibility uh, remains well into their later 20s. So it's always impressive to be able to knock off BYU just because that's going to be an older, more disciplined, more seasoned team. Uh, so Notre Dame is looking honestly pretty good now. I'm not going to say great because by no means are they great, but they're looking like a respectable team again. And I think I think that Marcus Freeman does definitely have the potential to lead them back into the right direction.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're Notre Dame at this point uh... – you know you're you know you're not going for like huge bowl games now at this point you're you're really gunning for ending up in a decent bowl game and it, and it looks like Notre Dame still got a good chance to at least go uh, si- uh 6 and 6 or 7 and 5 and this win really helps them get there uh the team just looked very well disciplined the Notre Dame defense has been really good throughout this season. Uh, even in their losses, they've looked fairly impressive. Uh, you know, and even against Ohio State, Notre Dame's defense played really, really well. So they definitely have the tough defense that could get them there. And the offense finally now is is coming into form. And of course, Michael Mayer is such an insane insanely good player Uh, and so it's good that Drew Pine now is starting to get into a rhythm and and finding his guys more consistently I think Pine will only get better as the season goes on and the offense will continue to improve
0: yeah Devin you mentioned bowl games and that's actually a great segue into our next segment we're going to make some postseason predictions here because it is officially mid-season uh you know October 15th is this Saturday and that's pretty much right in the middle of the season. So what better time to make your postseason predictions when we finally know more about these teams. So for the sake of time, we're going to make this uh, pretty short and simple. Uh, Guys, give me one team that will make the college football playoff, one team that makes it to a New Year's Six bowl that is not in the college football playoff, and give me one group of five team that has decent odds to make at least a New Year's Six or another significant bowl maybe playing a power five opponent. I know this year it's looking a little rough for group of five teams to make new year's six bowls, but who do you have?
1: All right. For my college football playoff. Team. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's Tennessee. It's, it's gotta be Tennessee and here's how we're going to get it done. So there's a couple different roads. Tennessee can take to get a college football playoff. One of them and most of them involve 100% having to beat Bama this weekend. If we're able to pull that off, We do have a good shot at being able to weasel our way into the college football playoff, even with a loss to Georgia. However, Bama can't, they can't win the sec championship if that happens. And there's a slight chance we'll be able to weasel our way in there. But our most likely path is having to win out the rest of our schedule. However, we can also potentially make it if we beat, if we lose to Bama and we beat Georgia, because then we're in the sec championship and we have another run at Bama. It's, it's complicated, but it can happen. I, I, the biggest issue is just trying to weasel our way in with SEC being the SEC. Because they're not going to put three SEC teams in the college football playoff. They just would never. And that leads me to my New Year's Six team. I think Bama's getting pushed out. I think that Tennessee beats them this weekend. And I think that Tennessee's going to be able to make the push all the way to the end of the season and beat them again. And I don't think Bama's going to be able to get into the playoff because of that. And I think that honestly, if we beat Bam in, the, in the SEC championship, Georgia's going to take their spot as the other SEC team that goes. And for the more fun and exciting thing, I got Tulane. I got Tulane making a run at things. Because if you look at Tulane right now, uh, man, let me pull up their schedule real quick. They are currently second in the American Conference, and they've won all their games but one, which they lost to Southern Miss, which was a really close game. But they have beat really respectable opponents in East Carolina, who did give NC state around for their money. They beat Houston, Kansas state, they beat Kansas state. They they're looking like a very respectable team, to be honest. So, I mean, it's sec, 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 because, you know, Tulane was, they were, they were an sec team, believe it or not. So I'm I'm cheering for that green wave to make something happen. I think they can. Devin.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, well, I mean, I'm going to roll with Ohio state to get to the playoff. I just feel like their path lines up very favorably for them. Yeah, they're playing in the tougher division of the Big Ten. uh, But, you know, I think Michigan's quite a bit overrated. So I I strongly believe Ohio State will get revenge at the end of the season. To me, their only really tough matchup beyond Michigan, of course, is Penn State. uh, But, you know, I think even even if they slip up there, there's still a chance that they could still make it into the Big Ten championship game, win it, and go to the playoffs. So I like their chances quite a bit. Uh, and then, you know, and then for New Year's Six, I said USC because I still think USC will have a very strong season. I just, you know, think they'll probably trip up against one or two of these teams somewhere uh, toward before the season's over. But I think they'll at least still get 10 wins. And with being the brand that they are, that'll still net them a really, really good bowl game. And then for my group of five team, and I wanted to say James Madison. But of course, I forgot that since they just moved up from the FCS, they can't go to a. They're they pushing can, for
0: eligibility,
1: but I don't. It may or it's may not, not happen. Yeah, that's the problem. It's such a ridiculous rule. Which though. is dumb. Yeah,
0: yeah, we saw this same thing happen too uh, in basketball yep. with uh, Bellerman winning the A. Sign. Oh yeah, but, but they had just. Uh, reclassified like a year or two earlier though so it couldn't happen but
2: and and wasn't it like they had to wait like three years for them that's like that's so ridiculous Uh, so I'm not sure what the what the exactly how long James Madison would have to wait but that's a shame because they're looking really really good but since I can't say James Madison then I'll roll with Cincinnati because I still trust Luke Fickle a lot that team's been playing really well and you know if they end up winning the American Conference again then they'll certainly be in a big time bowl game
0: yeah, I I know. It's just a shame that James Madison can't really be in that conversation even though they're ranked too. That's the mm-hmm. sad part is that they're ranked. They're yeah. ranked, there's,
2: undefeated, their schedule
0: the, is very easy. There's I, not not enough
1: respect is being given to them. Yeah, I feel like it's got to change though. I feel like I feel like fans these days because have enough power. This is an
0: unbelievably great season for this program. Mm-hmm. Their yeah. first year in the FBS, they are unbeaten at the halfway point in this season. You got to do something for them. Throw yeah, them a yeah. bone.
1: And why are we punishing teams for moving up and doing well? Exactly. Oh, if you want to move up, you can't win. That's the rule, guys. No yeah. winning for you, not for three seasons. Exactly. That's so silly. It's almost like they have to
2: establish their brand or something in order for, like, bowls to respect them enough to invite them. I mean that's so silly you know just their record should speak for itself. yeah, I know it's it's a horrible
0: situation for this team. So now I'm gonna go with mine here. Uh, for the college football playoff, I'm going to say that Clemson makes their return back uh, in the college football playoff because there's just like I like I mentioned earlier, there's really not a whole lot standing in their way anymore now that they've gotten through Wake Forest and NC State. Uh you know Syracuse is some somebody that we see we see the record uh you know they're what 5 and 0 um and it it looks good but the best teams that they've beaten up on are like Purdue and Virginia so not real contenders for any kind of conference championship or anything so Clemson will still have to go through them uh they they got Florida State this weekend I don't think they're going to have too much trouble there to be honest uh Louisville levels terrible this year uh, South Carolina is a team that uh, you know I, I don't really see them going in, into Death Valley and getting any kind of wins so give me Clemson for the college football playoff for sure uh, New year six I, I gotta say Michigan you know what what goes better? I mean, it's like peanut butter and jelly with Michigan and choking, man. I mean, every in every sport, it's not just football. Basketball, baseball, a couple of years ago when they made it to the College World Series, I mean, that's, that's just what happens with them. Uh, and, you know, Devin said they were very overrated. I mean, they haven't played anybody. That's yeah. the thing is like – the best teams that they played so far this year are Maryland and Indiana. Uh, they barely got by against Maryland. Indiana, they really had to pad that game. They're late. Yeah,
2: that score is not indignant. No, it, of how it, that it game really is. Anybody that watched it knows it was competitive. And, and
0: in the, the three games that they played before that oh, were against three of the worst teams in the FBS. So we still don't know a ton about Michigan right now. Uh, and you know, in the games that they have played against half decent competition, they haven't looked incredible either. So I you know, I, I gotta say Michigan's in my New Year's six. Uh the group of five team that I think has the best odds at making a respectable bowl game to play against a power five opponent. I, I like the mullets. I like Coastal Carolina. Uh Grayson McCall, we uh it's been documented that he lost a lot of his great Uh, targets and then also guys in the backfield with him as well uh, this offseason. But, you know, he seems to be doing just fine down there right now. They're still unbeaten. Of course, a lot of that will be finally determined, you know, uh, who's going to end up being the best team really in that conference when they play James Madison at the at end, of the, end of the season. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a collision course Imagine right there. Imagine
2: if they're both undefeated Un- in Week Unfortunately,
0: 13. they're both in the Sun Belt East, though, so mm-hmm. they're not playing for a conference championship against each other. I mean, that basically is the conference Could championship. Be, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the, they still have to play teams from the Sun Belt West, which would be, I think, South Alabama and Troy right now, the last time I checked, are the best two teams. So mm-hmm. I don't see wow. them struggling against either one of those. So yeah, Coastal Carolina is my team that I like there. So with that being said, let's move on to our final segment, our Week Seven preview. Uh, On the note of Michigan, number ten Penn State travels to number five Michigan this week. That is the big noon kickoff game. The Nittany Lions are coming off a bye week this week, uh, and like I mentioned, they really the Michigan really padded. Uh, that win against Indiana, they won it 31-10, to but most of that was in the second
1: half. How do we think Michigan's going to do in its first true test? I think Michigan's going to falter here. I'm really feeling a Penn State win coming on. I just think that Penn State has been pretty consistently a really solid team so far this season. Uh, picking up wins against teams like Purdue, Auburn, uh, I mean, they're not the greatest of competition right now, but still being able to win those games is impressive just considering uh, how those matchups usually pan out. But I think that Penn State just has a little bit more momentum right now. Michigan, I I feel like Michigan's just kind of, I feel like they're out of it. I feel like they've just been beaten up on little teams for too long, that they're not ready for a real competition yet. And I think that Penn State's really, really going to bring it to them here and that they're going to fall.
2: Wait a second. Did you say Michigan on big noon kickoff? No way. That 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 never happens right there. That 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 never happens at all. Uh, no, anyways. So yeah, I, I I like Penn State to win this one here to uh to spoil Michigan's big noon kickoff winning streak here. Um, you know I, I think I like James Franklin a lot. Penn State's got those two legit freshman running backs. Those guys are so awesome. Nick Singleton, Ktron Allen legit talent there. Penn State has talent across the board on offense, defense. I am impressed by how Franklin's been able to turn this team around when they were struggling so much. But, again, the COVID year was weird. I mean, a lot of anomalies happened. But I'm so uh, glad to see Penn State coming back here. I think the Nittany Lions get a huge statement win right here against Michigan.
0: Yeah, I'm right here with you guys on this one, which unfortunately might curse Penn State here. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't I, – I just don't think Michigan's seen enough competition. And, you know, Penn State, they've been tested a little bit. I mean, they had to, oh, go, yeah. they had to go to Purdue and Auburn. I mean, sure, yep. neither of those teams are looking spectacular this year, but they had to play in a hostile environment.
2: Mm-hmm. That is
0: not something Michigan has done. No. Penn State has been tested in that regard, and I think that is going to serve them well in this game. So give me Penn State for this one. Uh, let's flip to the other side of the Big Ten here. Uh, we mentioned this matchup just a little bit earlier. Minnesota at number 24, Illinois. Golden Gophers are coming off of a bye. Who wins this Big Ten West matchup? I mean, this could potentially be the Big Ten West championship right here if either one of these teams wins
1: it. I'm trusting Illinois to get it done. I I think Brett B. Lima's done a really good job with the team. I think that Illinois just has – I think they're solid. I think Illinois is just a solid team right now, and I think Minnesota's been a little bit more shaky, especially with that loss uh, before their bye week. Uh, They looked really miserable in that game. So I think that Illinois is going to be able to – get it done here. And especially at home, I think their fans are dying for a win like this. Um, It's been a long time since they've been any kind of good. I think that Illinois is, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing some of that little bit of Kansas magic, you know,
2: Yeah, it's possible. However, I'm going to roll with Minnesota on this one. I I like that Minnesota had a bye week before this. I'm sure P.J. Fleck was working through all the issues that they showed, their struggles on the ground. I think they get back to a strong ground game. Tanner Morgan Manages the game pretty well. He's a he's a veteran quarterback. You know he's not the flashiest, he's, but he is an experienced guy who can be a good game manager when you need him to be. And I think he's going to step up and be that uh, for this game. So I want I got the Golden Gophers winning in a close one. Dom, I'm going to side with you
0: here. Uh, I like Illinois. Chase Brown is a really fun running back to mm-hmm. watch. He's been spectacular this season for the Illini. I mean, how can you hate Arthur Sikowski, a quarterback, man? (laughs) The the former Rutgers legend threw four touchdowns, 18 interceptions in one season. But you know what? He's got a running back that can carry him through the uh, difficult times that they'll have with this offense and their passing game. So you know what? I don't think it matters. I think Illinois can get it done uh, because they're ranked for the first time. They'll have a little extra motivation now. Should be a fun weekend for them to, you know, maybe – Maybe get a win to control their own destiny down the road. We'll see. Uh, <clears throat> moving over to the ACC now. Number 15, NC State at number 18, Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is going to prove that they are for real this weekend if they can win this one. They had their bye week last week. Do we think that they will prove themselves?
1: I am feeling I'm feeling the orange men. I, I think the orange is coming on strong, baby. I think that Syracuse is going to get it done. And I think that Garrett Schrader has just proven to be a really good quarterback who's able to be clutch in high-pressure situations. We saw their win against Purdue where they had to compete till the bitter end to get that done. I think that Syracuse just has a little bit more strength in them right now. Uh, NC State's been good, don't get me wrong. I think NC State's been an incredible team. However, I just think Syracuse right now, I at Syracuse in the Carrier Dome, I think they just have – just have a little bit more momentum going for them right now. I think they get it done.
2: Yeah, the Carrier Dome is is such a unique environment and I am loving Orange right now here uh whether it's Rocky Top or otherwise. But, you know what? I'm going to roll with NC State actually. You know, this is a, such a tough one for me to pick. I love Sean Tucker at running back, but I just think NC State at the end of the day has the better coach. Uh, I'm surprised honestly that uh Dino Babers has been able to turn this team around he's he's really saved himself because he was on the verge of you know getting fired early this season himself and, and now he's saved his job which is great for, uh for him but I still think uh NC State has the better coaching scheme they got the better players better talent overall so I still like the Wolf Pack to come in here and win this game Dom I'm gonna go with you here again uh the NC state has not performed well in a
0: lot of their hostile environment (laughs) games that they've played in East Carolina in week one, they really struggled to get that one out that it had to, they had to miss an extra point for NC state to win that game. So obviously that happened. Uh, they hung around in Clemson. They played hard there, but they still didn't win. Uh, And, you know, Sean Tucker is a spectacular running back. I mean, what other running back do you know that will tweet out his stats (laughs) and talk about how disappointed he is in himself and then go out the next week and put up, what, 200 yards on the ground and 100-something through the air? I mean, how could you not love that guy? Mm -hmm. I got to go with Syracuse in this one for that reason. Uh, Let's flip to the coastal now. Uh, UNC at Duke. I we love got, basketball. I know. <laughs> I, I do too. Uh, oh, wait. It's football. Tobacco Rosa a football matchup too. Uh,
1: no way. Yeah. Uh,
0: this could actually be a pretty significant matchup mm-hmm. though for the Coastal because UNC right now looking like it is one of, if not, you know, maybe the best team in the Coastal right now with that offense that they have right now. They managed to just get it done in Miami this past weekend. Uh, Duke, however, fell to George, a resurgent Georgia Tech team in overtime. Uh, is Duke going to be the creator of chaos this week?
1: I don't think so. I think UNC wins this one with a decent margin of comfort. I think that with UNC and Duke, I think that UNC just typically has the edge in football. And Mack Brown's a great coach, and UNC has been scoring a ridiculous amount of points all year long. I don't think Duke has the tools to keep up with that at all. Duke may have some good defense, but... UNC just has this overwhelming offense that, you know, I mean, we saw that really early shootout they had against Appalachian State. That, I mean, UNC can put up a boatload of points. I don't think Duke is stopping them.
2: Yeah, I, I, th- I think Duke puts up a pretty good performance here. I think it's close. But I got to roll with North Carolina as well just because – uh, Duke just isn't there yet, but they're getting there. I think Mike Elko's doing a really good job and I could really see the upset here, but I gotta go with UNC on this one. Yeah,
0: I've gotta go with UNC as well. Devin more for what you said, because you know, UNC is a horrendous defensive team and that mm-hmm. just does not get talked about yes. enough. <laughs> um, but you know, I they've shown that they are able to outrun these teams. Uh so I mean, whether it's Appalachian State that they're having to outrun or anybody in conference, I mean Outside of that Virginia Tech game, they have looked awful on defense. I mean, even Florida a and mm-hmm. put up 24 points yeah. on them. Yeah. So and
2: Virginia Tech doesn't exactly have no, a great Virgi- offense.
0: Virginia Tech hasn't figured out anything. Uh, so definitely got to go with UNC to win it in Tobacco Road. Armando Baycott's going to have a nice 200 yards on the, in the game, <laughs> <or> 20 <laughs> points, double-double, whatever you want to call it. Uh, let's move over to the Big 12 now. Uh, We've got one very, very significant ranked matchup this week. Number 18, Oklahoma State at number 13, TCU. This might be a Big 12 regular season championship game in disguise. Uh, The Pokes were able to survive Texas Tech 41-31 last week in Stillwater. Uh, This one obviously being on the road is going to make it a whole different animal uh, how, how will they do in yet another uh, ranked road test? Because we saw them play Baylor earlier while Baylor was still
1: ranked. Uh, how will they do? I think Oklahoma State's going to be able to do a pretty good job here. However, I'm feeling the horned frogs here. I think that TCU has just been able to play really strong against some impressive teams. I mean, uh, Oklahoma doesn't feel as impressive anymore. However, embarrassing like them like that, is always impressive when it's the team that's historically been the best in the conference. And then also picking up good wins against SMU and Kansas. I'm feeling, I'm feeling sort of a resurgence of that Andy Dalton era TCU where, you know, they went to the Rose bowl. I think that TCU is kind of back in that regards with the, I just, their passing attack reminds me of that era of football and Duggan's a great quarterback. I think TCU just gets it done here.
2: Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that take. I think TCU is an awesome team. To me, this is my second most favorite matchup of the weekend. I think you guys can guess what my first favorite matchup of the weekend is. That's pretty obvious, but this one comes in as a close second. I'm really excited about this one. These are two awesome teams. Uh, I mean, really, both these teams will end up with fantastic seasons. They may even see each other in a rematch in the Big 12 Championship. That wouldn't be a surprise to me. So, I like TCU to just barely edge out Oklahoma State. They have home field advantage. I feel like their team is just slightly better. So I gotta go with the win there for TCU.
0: Yeah, an interesting part of this matchup is TCU was one of the teams that played a part in Oklahoma State not making it to the playoffs last year because they beat them in the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Oklahoma State had lost had not or yeah, had they not had they lost to Baylor, but not lost at all in the regular season, they would have probably still been in consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I I honestly think we see a repeat of an upset here. Uh, I think TCU, it's going to be a very high octane offensive performance by both teams. Uh, I like TCU to win it in a close one, probably high forties, high fifties, maybe. Uh, just just depending on uh, you know how. How heated up these offenses become over the course of the game, but I definitely like TCU to win it because I just feel like there's a lot of momentum going on down in uh, Fort Worth. So let's move over to the Pac 12 now. Uh, we have a ranked matchup here number seven USC at number 20 Utah. Very big Pac 12 matchup, especially for the Pac 12 South. Uh, this is the first ranked opponent that the Trojans have seen all season. Do we think the
1: Utes can create chaos? You know, I think that USC loses a game to a Pac-12 team this year, without a doubt, but I don't think it's going to be Utah this time around. I just, I think that Utah can't quite piece it all together. I think they're just a little bit lost when it comes to taking that next step to being an edge top 25 team to being a top 15 team. I think USC just has that high-powered offense that's going to be able to run a bit wild on the Utes' defense, uh, who hasn't exactly looked too remarkable uh especially after that ucla game they did look good in the past uh the games leading up to that but i think usc is just too high powered on offense and i think that you know cam rising's good quarterback for utah but i don't think he gets it done
2: you know i'm gonna roll with utah to win this game i think the Utes get this huge upset i know utah recently has not been too terribly impressive but honestly I haven't been too terribly impressed with the consistency of USC. It seems like the Trojans are uh, starting off games you know, strong and, and, and being f- very flashy at times. I mean, there's no doubt USC is a fun team to watch. That is certainly is true. But there's just something about them where... I just feel like they're making these mistakes later in the games and, and and not being able to be just completely consistent on their drives. Their defense seems to be a little touch and go. I think Utah will take out their anger from losing last week against a Los Angeles team to exact revenge against the city of Los Angeles this week.
0: Yeah Devin, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I like Utah here because first of all, it's a home game uh, and it's a ranked opponent for USC to have to go and play up against. So I don't like that matchup for USC for that reason and then also I mean how can you not love Kyle Whittingham and mm-hmm. continuity that the, the continuity that you see at Utah over the years? So I've definitely got to go with the Utes in this one. So finally let's move to the SEC. Number 16, Mississippi State, travels to number 22, Kentucky. Uh, we did not talk about the Kentucky game last week. Obviously, they got, I guess you could call it an upset, 24-14 uh, to 14 loss to South Carolina. There was no Will Levis in this game, though, so that's prob- probably the biggest reason why they lost this game. Uh, but Mississippi State has not won in Lexington since 2014. Can they do it this think- year?
1: I think this is going to turn into Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I think Will Rogers is going to run wild in Lexington. I i have not been impressed with Kentucky at all, to be quite frank. I know they're our rivals, so you would anticipate me hating them, but I, they've just been overrated from the get-go. They have not posted any kind of impressive wins. I, I can't help but remember when they were tied 14-14 against Northern Illinois at half. This Kentucky team, to me, is just a bit of a joke. I think that I do think that they're good enough to be an edge top twenty-five team, but I think Mississippi State's going to put the hurt on them and do them real bad and make them look terrible in Lexington.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I always give Kentucky credit when it's due. I mean, Jason Wyrick last year uh, was always like getting <laughs> mad at me for constantly, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, Kentucky's not a bad team." He's like, "Oh, what? They're the worst team!" Oh my God, uh, no, but but this time. They are very overrated, not, not worthy of this ranking. I think Mississippi State has been so impressive this year. Outside of that one second-half collapse against LSU, the rest of the quarters of football have been fantastic from the Bulldogs. So I really like Mississippi State in this matchup. I don't care that it's on the road. I think they're a much better team. Give me Mississippi State to win this game.
0: You know, I definitely like the idea of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood <laughs> here. Uh, you know, he's been spectacular through the air all season long, as you would expect from an air raid quarterback. You know, he's just finding different guys. It doesn't matter who it is. that The receivers are just so deep in an air raid system, and I think that plays a huge part in their success this season. Uh, and they've even been able to run the football as well, too. I mean, Bookie Marks is a good running back. Dylan Johnson, of course, going for 100 yards last week. That's not something you see every day with Mississippi State in the air raids. So I I like them to win it. I, I don't know the status of Will Levis going into this week, but you know if he's injured, I think Mississippi State for sure will end up taking down Kentucky. So up next, we've got Arkansas at BYU. Uh, this one just kind of popped out at me because of how random it is, a non-conference matchup between an SEC team and an independent in mid-October. <laughs> uh, both of these teams, as we have documented, have had, Rough weeks the past week. Uh,
1: Who's going to win the first ever matchup between these two out in Provo? I'm inclined to say Arkansas is going to get it done here just because I think that Arkansas feels like – this is a game that Arkansas feels like they have to win, and I think they will. It's really hard to get it done in Lavelle Edwards Stadium against BYU. BYU is a tough opponent, as always. No matter matter what year it is, they're always going to be a tough opponent. Um, but I do think that Arkansas is just going to be able to edit out here. Um, I don't, do you guys know if KJ Jefferson's back yet?
0: I think that's something that will remain to be seen as the week goes on. But if Malik Hornsby's playing, that will be very iffy. A win would be very iffy. I
1: I know it will, but I still have my faith in Arkansas for this one. I think that Pittman's just going to be able to out coach here and maneuver some kind of win because I just feel like this program needs it. And I think, with how bad they need it, they'll be able to do it.
2: You know, yeah, I I think even if Hornsby... Sorry to interrupt. He will be back.
1: Oh, okay, okay. okay.
2: Well, I was even going to say, even with Hornsby, I was still going to pick Arkansas. So that that doesn't end up changing my pick there just because Arkansas, you know, to me, this game is a true battle in the trenches. Both these teams have such good offensive and defensive uh, lines and they rely so heavily on them. I just think Arkansas has the better line. They'll get the better push up front and they'll have more rushing yards than BYU. At the end of the day, I think the ground game will be the difference. Arkansas will have a better ground game, and they'll win this game.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you guys that the ground game is critical here. I think it's going to be a pretty ugly game, maybe even a little low scoring. I definitely like Arkansas to come out on top in Provo. So up next, we've got LSU at Florida. This is not a ranked matchup, but for whatever reason, this game is always very entertaining, whether it be shoe throws or... uh, Last year, it was a pretty crazy game, too. 49-42 was the final score in on that one. Uh, 2016, Florida put on a goal-line stand against LSU in a game in late November that they had to reschedule from September because of a hurricane. I forget which hurricane it was, but you know what I'm talking about. It's a crazy matchup whenever these two play. Uh, we obviously talked about what LSU did last week and how bad it was for them. Florida managed to survive Mizzou 24-17 this past week. Do the Gators get their
1: first win over LSU since 2018? This is a sneaky good matchup. And honestly, I think it's going to be one of the most fun of the weekend. Uh, These are both teams when the other team's defense doesn't show up too great, their offense shows out. And both these teams' defenses are not going to show up for this game. And so it's going to be a really fun, high-paced, just fast game. And I think that LSU, you know, they're going into the swamp. So naturally, i got to pick LSU to win because I don't think that Florida's home environment has made much of a difference this season. Florida just does not seem to have the same level of protection at home that they're used to. I think that LSU is able to push it and get it done.
2: Yeah, I like LSU to win this matchup a lot also. I I truly just believe they are the better team. I think Jaden Daniels is the better quarterback uh, as well than Anthony Richardson at this moment. I know that sounds out there because all the NFL scouts really love Richardson. but that's It's really not out lot, there, Devin. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of that's based on potential, but not how it is in the moment. And I look at it how it is in the moment, and I'm picking LSU to win this game.
0: Yeah, I like LSU too here for some reason. I think just, I guess, based on what we've seen the last few years, it feels like LSU has come out with some kind of crazy ending in each one of these games uh, that has been in favor of them so, I yeah, I like LSU to get it done here. I don't know what it is necessarily. I don't think that they're just a much better team than Florida is, but, you know, I, I, I just like them to win a pretty crazy one, as this one always ends up being. So give me LSU here. Okay, here's our last matchup. Number three, Alabama at number six, Tennessee. College game day part two here in Knoxville. SEC Nation is also going to be here as well. The Vols are unbeaten in this matchup for the first time since 1998. 1998. <laughs> so that, that aspect of it is crazy to think about. And, of course, these two teams have not been unbeaten in this matchup together since 1989, which also makes this a pretty historic matchup in that regard. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, Bryce Young's status incredibly up in the air right now. There's not a ton of optimism, as at least as the week has gone further on. There just hasn't been a whole lot of optimism about him. Guys, is this the best shot that anybody has to take down Alabama in the regular season?
1: Absolutely. I keep putting numbers into my calculator, and it just keeps churning out 1998. It, everything, I've just heard that number so much in the past couple of weeks. It feels like 98. It really does. And I think Tennessee has the absolute best shot to knock off Bama here especially coming off of that close A&M game. Bama's a bit shaken up, and it's showing. This Bama team looks more unconfident and unsure than I've seen out of a Bama team in a long time. I feel like this is the most shaky a Bama team has felt in quite some time, and it just so happens it's the strongest a Tennessee team has felt in years. And I think that all adds up to a crazy, absolutely wild atmosphere in Neyland, which is... You know, Tennessee's atmosphere is impossible to beat, in my opinion. And, yes, I'm totally biased, but it's going to be an amazing atmosphere regardless. But I just think that Tennessee is able to edge something out here, and they're going to be able to do something special and get that win for the fans because, you know, Hypo and this team, they always talk about playing for the fans, and they love it here. And I just i have my absolute faith in these guys to get the job done.
2: Yeah, I, I really like Tennessee as well. Can't, can't pick against them at this moment. It's going to be so tough though I mean no matter what even if Milrose the starter Alabama will be so tough against Tennessee it's going to be hard for Tennessee to run the ball uh, they're going to make Hooker feel very uncomfortable I- I'm worried about Hendon Hooker in this matchup because Alabama's got those serious players in the front seven we, we could we could go on uh, all day about those guys they got on the line that are going to be play very physical but as long as Hooker doesn't get banged up too badly in this matchup uh, and is able to have a couple of good runs here I think Tennessee can win in a close one listen I
0: don't want to be that guy at all mm-hmm. but growing up in the state of Tennessee and living through the past 16 years <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: you don't I mean the the light never seems to be at the end of the tunnel of this one uh, for Tennessee and you know I, I just feel like saying that Tennessee will beat Alabama mm-hmm. is something that is just if you if if I were to say that I would sound crazy. I know uh, I
2: feel weird about saying it too. Listen, honestly.
0: I I don't want to say it. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But I I I I just I would feel horrible about saying it. I hate
1: I hate to kill the mood, but I I just. I, you, it, you know, after after we're down there after the win on Shields Watkins Field, I'm not giving you a cigar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be puffing cigar my cigar privileges. all by myself. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know, I, uh, oh, I, I mean, I think Alabama will probably find a way to win this one closely. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately the other thing with Alabama too is that they always seem to play a little bit better in Neyland stadium against Tennessee than when they do down in Bryant Denny, which is odd. Cause uh, I mean, it even feels like Tennessee does the same thing, but Guys, I'm really I'm really sorry to kill the mood, <laughs> but I I the realist in me just cannot pick mm-hmm. Tennessee in this one because I've I've lived it too many times. I, I, I
1: just I, I, I can't do it. I uh, can't do it. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll start with your score prediction then, so we can end on a happy note.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm oh I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Tennessee covers that seven and a half point spread. Um I, I think it's gonna be somewhere around thirty four to thirty one.
1: Not bad. Not bad. But um, I think I might have to go 19-98. to 98. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no, boy. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, Bama's a really good team, and all respect to him. Saban's a great coach. Uh, and legitimately, I, I've seen the videos in press conferences of him giving respect to us, and it's great to see. And I think that Saban is you know, a great example for head coach. But I do think that Tennessee is going to take this one with a little bit of force. I think there's going to be a little bit of force behind this one. I think Tennessee is going to win it about 28
2: Yep, I, I think this one's going to be a little bit more low-scoring. So I'm going to I'm going to go with the uh, score of Tennessee winning twenty-eight twenty-seven. Interesting, one-point one victory.
0: Yeah, you get, you guys are far more optimistic than I will ever be. <laughs> yeah, it feels like uh, I feel
1: like I have to bring that optimism to Tennessee. Yeah, I mean. uh, it, it was gone for so long, and you know I. I showed up on this campus and I felt the death in the air, and it's been my goal <laughs> to bring back the life to this campus and make it, you know, make it Rocky Top again, baby. Yep. Yeah.
2: Another thing that is concerning those again, the new developments in the secondary, uh, of of course, that's made yes. the secondary oh, a bit. Yeah. As well. <laughs> but
0: I, I don't. The more the details get revealed with that situation, the more yeah. layers there are with it. So I don't know. That is gonna do. It for us today here on Nealon's Basement. For Devin Hoke, Dominic Throngard, I am Tucker Harlan. We will see you guys next week.